Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What's up, everybody? We're, We're late. We're a little bit late. late, but it's my fault. It's okay. It's a hundred percent Rob's fault, <laughs> and maybe also the fault of my internet. But but we're here. We're so, here, and we're happy to be here. And uh, I'm super excited about tonight. And I'm Robin. I'm creeping it real. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even intro. Damn, this okay. is the second time second we've done time. this. We've messed it up. Second time. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brass Man Reptiles, and I'm Robin. I'm creeping it real. That's better. <laughs> I'm really excited about tonight. Sorry I'm, I'm if pumped. you can't tell. Uh, yeah, we we've been out over our skis a little bit. Excited for this one. So it's very true. We didn't want to mess it up, but we ended but up doing we it anyway. Messed it up. So, so without with further it, ado, I'm super excited because we have got. <laughs> Mike Hurton from Scattershot Exotics. What is going on, man? How you doing? Bam! What's going on, guys? How are you? It's good to see you again. It is yeah, man. Awesome it's great to see, to see you. you it's dude. been a minute. I feel like since COVID and lack of expos and all that stuff, it's been a long time since I've seen you. <laughs> it, it's been brutal. You know, I've been trying to make it up to the New England show um, up in Manchester, and I just I haven't been able to get up there. Honestly, I skipped the first one. That they, they were like, "Guess what? It's just open enough for COVID for us to have a reptile expo." And I was like, "You dirty! No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> I skipped the first one. I was like, "There's no way I'm going to get COVID at a reptile expo. Not happening." <laughs> and then the most recent one, I was like, "You know what? I'll be safe. We'll bring Lysol. I'm gonna wear masks. Everything's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll be." We're going to do it. We're yeah. going to do it. And so we did the last one. It went pretty well. And uh, everything was spaced out fairly well. So good, I'm, good. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, me That's too. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back out and seeing people again. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been too long. Like, seriously, it's for, been freaking yep, way too way long. Too long. Yep. <laughs> so, Mike, for people who might not have heard of you, if they're not like in the Morelia groups or or, you know, or they're not, not just into reptiles, not into reptiles, they should just know this man. Well, listen, <laughs> the people on the interweb, sometimes they just bought their first pet bearded dragon and they haven't heard of Mike Hurton yet. Well, so for those people you're hearing. Right They're going to hear right now, but like, wh- what got you started in reptiles? What kind of led you on your trajectory oh, to where you're at right now? I, I've always been into reptiles, always. Um, you know, my dad taking me fishing as a kid. Uh, I'd be catching frogs and and looking for snakes and doing all that stuff. Uh, you know, Rod, you know, sitting by the sitting on a stump somewhere, and you know, I was I was flipping logs. And, you know, up to my ankles or, or my knees in, in mud, you know, just catching frogs all over the place. And my dad was great. He's, he said, you know what? Have have fun. We're out here having fun. If you don't you don't want to catch fish, that's all right. You know, it was about it was more about the time than anything. Yeah. Which yeah. was which was awesome. And and now I now I love both, you know. So I was just gonna uh, say you you post a lot of fishing stuff. I like seeing that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hardcore surf caster, you know. So I'm I'm all over the place. Uh all hours, but you know, from that to uh just 
just books and reading about them. Um, you know, like just about everybody that grew up in the 80s and the 90s. My parents had a big box of National Geographic magazines uh, down in the basement. I'd be flipping mm-hmm. through them, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I tell, I tell the same story to a lot of my, uh, my piercing clients because that act, actually um, kind of sparked my interest in, in body mods uh, and piercing and tattoos, scarification, because of all the, you know, the, the culture of, of uh, all those native tribes. Um, so you'd be looking at all these crazy reptiles and animals from around the world and all these, these really, really interesting cultures. Um, and uh, I was really drawn to it. Um, I guess I was, was probably about fourth grade when I got my first, my first snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this kid that was, I was in school with, you know, he had a, he had a garter snake that uh, he couldn't keep anymore. So he asked me if I wanted it, you know, it was $10 all right yeah I ran home asked my mom and dad they're like yeah all right yeah sure um, why not <laughs> and you know what was crazy is after that i mean it was just it was full steam ahead um oh yeah <laughs> my, my parents they go they go on vacation to see their friends down in florida and you know they'd sneak uh green and Oles, uh, on the airplane back for me <laughs> <laughs> from <Really>? Florida. <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. It was, oh, it was great. It was great, you know. <laughs> um they'd come home from Florida it's like dad's like I got a surprise for you. Is it alive? <laughs> um, oh my god, know? that's great. Um, and uh but I've it, it's it's always been uh an interest of mine. Um I've always I always love reptiles. Uh you know, it's it's been uh uh been been a long time keeping them um so but but yeah um so i got what, away from them for a little while a little and uh i guess back in it was 2000 2003 2004 uh this garter snake just comes slithering around you know in front of the shop that i was working at and i i picked him up and it was it was probably November. It was, it was like a warm November oh, and uh, maybe, maybe October into November. So I, I'd pick them up, bring them home and uh, you know, bring them home to my wife. I say, Hey, look what I found. We kept them to the spring. No. We kept them to the spring. I, and, and then, then let them go. And uh, <laughs> I said, huh? I said, you know what? I, I want to get back into sight, you know, and I, I told her that, Hey, I used to keep snakes. Um, used to keep all kinds of reptiles. I said, I want to, I'd like to get snakes. She's like, okay, can I have spiders? <laughs> yeah! 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 Uh-huh. So, yes. so, uh, so she's got, she, she's got a few Brazilian blacks. Um, she, uh, she loves her tarantulas. Uh, and, and I got I got the snakes, and we've had all everything in between. I love that. So, what was it like when you saw your first carpet python? Was that a special moment? Because I feel all like right. so. <laughs> so my my first the first carpet python I ever saw. It was yeah. so cool because it was a diamond X carpet python. Right. So, right. so I'm like, 
like, all right, cool. So I'm in this pet store on, it was on Route 22 in, I don't know, it was uh, like Greenbrook, North, North Plainfield area, and anybody who's familiar with Jersey. Um, and I don't even remember the name of the, the, the pet shop. And I went in there and I'm looking at these things and they got a, this beautiful uh, naturalistic setup and a beautiful water feature, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, what's the deal? And it was like 250 bucks. So, and I was young. So for me, that was a lot of money. I said, what's so, yeah. so tell me about that, that diamond X carpet pipe. No, 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 you don't want that. You don't want that. They're, they're mean, <laughs> they're aggressive. Like ev- everything you hear, um, you don't want yeah. this. They're, they're terrible pets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so I went and I got a retick. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> not, I not was freaking just then. What? Mike, I know you know <laughs> April Fools was a few days ago, man. You can't just be <laughs> true, true. True story. I couldn't stop thinking about this carpet python, right? And <laughs> not not too far later, my brother says, "Hey, listen, my roommate's coworker." just has to clutch a pythons and didn't tell me like what they were. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, like what kind, what are they? Oh, they're reticulated pythons. Now reticulated oh, pythons, like for me, um, everybody kid growing up, you hear about reticulated pythons back in the day and you read about in the books, Oh, they lay a hundred eggs. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they get 30 feet long. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, really? Oh, boy. So um, I went, I met up with this guy and I was 16 at the time, I think, uh, went to his house and he had the mom of that clutch was a, a wild caught Sulawesi female. Wow. She was, she was like, she was over 20 foot. According to them, she was 24 feet. Um which is it's unheard of. Yeah. Her her first clutch of eggs, 96 eggs. Wow. 96 eggs was her first clutch Damn. of eggs. This was back in what is this, 94, I think. Um wow. Damn. And, and but and they were all small and the babies were small, but mm. they got big. They oh, got yeah. big. Yeah. Um my my male when I gave my male away, he was sixteen plus. Wow. Uh, sixteen plus foot. Um heavy body. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so that's what I got instead of a carpet python because they're mean. <laughs> <laughs> a Sulawesi but, retic. Jeez. Uh... The, the the fascination never left me. So yeah. when everything came full circle and I, I you know I went into a pet store. I just picked up a reptiles magazine. It was it was the uh, the issue with Will Leary. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I saw that that uh, Diamond X, but no, I saw that Diamond Jungle on that centerfold, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I think I need to get carpet pythons. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just like I fell in love all over again. Um, within. I don't know, six months to a year, I was at a White Plains Expo. I bought my first jungle. He's actually up in the up in the cage behind me. Um, and that was Delia. 
Uh, Delia's actually in a prelay shed right now. That's um, awesome. So she's she's close to. She was. I think she's about a year and a half um, or so when I when I bought her, uh, and that was back in two thousand three, two thousand four. I think it was. That's um, crazy. And uh, so, uh, and then it was, you know, with her, I'm, it's, it was like one after the other. I, I just, I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, then just, just a fascination. I had a fascination with Australia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, remembering when, when Crocodile D, uh, Dundee came out um and it you know and i'm i'm really i'm dating myself right now uh but uh there there's something like something so so raw and primitive and wild about australia um yes, yeah that uh next thing you know like um you know i'm i'm buying i'm getting walmart pythons um and then i'm getting <laughs> blackheads and it's just i mean you know, it, it, it just kept on going. Um, and I just, I just never looked back. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. That's crazy. Cause like I got my first pet snake right around 2003 too. It was just like a normal ball Python. Um, but I still have him too. He lives with my mom now, but I still have him. Cool, and he's cool. like what, 19 years old. I had him. Yeah. Been, I can't believe it's been 18 years. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> it's okay, Rob. <laughs> It's wild. It's wild to think about. And then I've had my first, I got my first short tail probably 14 years ago. That's, that's crazy to yeah. me. And I still have him too. That snakes, <laughs> that snakes is as old as some of my students. <laughs> some of the kids oh, who come to the shop, man. <laughs> oh, it's so wild. Oh, man. So the carpets definitely drew you about like uh, you got a big draw for Australia. And then more recently you've been getting into the big colubrids and oh, I just want to go out on a, uh, on record and say, I'm here for it. A hundred percent. Dude, I don't like um, anybody listening when you hear like, Oh, don't get Kribos cause they're messy and they smell bad and they're dirty and they're, they're a nightmare to clean and blah, blah, blah. Don't listen. Um, like, so Yes, they'll paint the walls occasionally, um, <laughs> but it is it is well worth it. Um, you know, I just uh, just put a video up uh, of my my middle son, my ten year old, with Frenchie, our uh, oh, long term yeah, yeah. captive yellowtail. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, she's every she's she's probably a good you know seven eight foot, um, and uh, and she's got an attitude. I mean, you take her outside and put her in the sun. That's a wild snake. Um, and uh, he, you know, this was the first time this year that we had her out. Um, so Chase was a, li- a little standoff, a little hesitant. But uh, uh, last early last fall, um, I had her out. And I just, you know, uh, especially with the with the Kribos, I like taking them out for some exercise. Um let them cruise, let them stretch, let them, you know, let them do their thing. Um, Cause they're such, they're such fast active snakes. Uh, I think it's really important yeah. to, to, you know, let them, let them be them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I had her out in the yard and 
here comes Chase with his friends, and he's like, he's like, oh, dad, is that Frenchie? I'm like, yeah, can I pick her up? I'm like, yeah, but she probably gets you. you know? yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, all right, you know. So I mean, it it was like it was it was straight up like watching Crocodile Hunter. It was like watching Steve Irwin. <laughs> um, you know, he he picked her up. You know, uh, probably about the midpoint of her body, um, yeah. real gently, and she starts coming across her body with her her mouth wide open. Um, <laughs> he sets her down, takes two steps back. Circles around, picks her up again, and he worked her so beautifully. Um, now I, I teach I teach my boys proper handling, how to read snakes, you know, how to know what what they're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like hey, you you know, like for us when we look at it, when we look at an animal, when we look at a snake, especially, we can tell. Okay, so so that snake that snake's looking for food right now, mm-hmm. or that snake probably not having a real good day. Um, probably doesn't <laughs> want to be doesn't want to be messed with. So we can yeah. we can read them like that. Uh, so I, I try and teach him that as best I can. Um, but he got that snake from open mouth, you know, lunging at him, to where he was handling her and letting his friends come over and pet her uh, within about fifteen minutes. That's got to be um, so humbling. Like (laughs) to watch your kid do that, man, I would be so geeked. (laughs) What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. The natural instinct and ability he showed was... It, yeah, it was. It, it, I mean, I was in awe. I was like, I was like, wow, that is that's really cool. You know, that is that's so, so awesome. awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah um, I'm I'm really uh, so I, I started with carpet pythons um, from like a breeding standpoint. Uh, well, well, getting back into snakes after. So I, I took a, an alcoholic holiday for several years where I didn't keep anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh you know, I quit, I quit drinking and started a family. And, uh, next thing you know, like, it's like, all right, so now I get, get back into snakes and, you know, my wife and I, you know, start talking about the idea of breeding. It's like, you know, I'd, I'd like to breed these. She's like, well, you know, if you, if you want to do it, go ahead. Like, you know, and so we, we started doing that. Um, and you know, over, over the past several years, uh, I've just, there's a lot of species that I've been really interested in, but at the same time intimidated by, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, Kribos among them, uh, rhino, rhino rats, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause I had heard about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when, when I, back when I was first hearing about them, they weren't easy to keep, you know, there were a lot of problems with them yeah. because 
they don't they were just being being yeah. kept incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then you know, I mean, Owen Owen and Eric has talked about it a, a bunch of times when when Owen got his rhinos, and I'm like, put my glasses on, staring at him like, oh, that's so cool, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, you know, once you and and that's that's one of the things that a lot of a lot of new keepers now um would be would be very well to kind of ponder on because mm -hmm. it's not that hey i got rhinos and figured them out and like now i'm keeping them great it's like no like um there's guys out there like rob stone in particular uh yes that, that they put in the work you know yeah. they put in the work and figured out how to do it figured out what everybody was doing wrong figured out why everybody was killing these things um, and now I get to enjoy like, Hey, okay. So now I got like a group of beautiful rhino rat snakes and I know how to keep them because someone else did the work for me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Wilma's back when I, when I started breeding Wilma's, uh, you know, not a lot of people were, were being really successful breeding them. Um, you know, and to like my first clutch of Wilma eggs was like 14 eggs. And wow. I just, you know how many hatched? One. One. I was gonna say like <laughs> one or two. That's that's the, the plight of people who breed Wilmas. The yeah. first clutch is like, no matter how good you think you are, it's one or two babies that come out of yeah. it. Yep. And it's like you just and you just watch watch them die. You just yeah. watch the eggs. You you watch them get get that wet dark look about them oh and there's the green ring it's mm -hmm. like oh there it comes all right that one's dead um and but i had two clutches that year uh the second clutch i hatched nine so wow. it, it's just the um listening to the people that have that have really that have put in the time and the work and the effort and lost a bunch of animals figuring them out and yeah. being humble enough um, to, to say, all right, I need, I need to change some things, you know, um, you know, some people, they get a, a little too set in their ways where, you know, oh, you know what, this is, this is how it's supposed to be done. I don't know what's wrong. Um, well, you got to listen, listen to yeah, your, I'm not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, man, I, that's, um, that's something that in the blood and short tail community has been just starting to catch up right now with a lot of the misinformation from the nineties and early two thousands, because, you know, back in the day, people would be like, blood pythons are all evil and you got to keep them yep. at 95 degrees and they live <laughs> in a swamp. So keep them at a hundred percent humidity. If it's not dripping wet inside the enclosure, yep. they're not happy. And they would have these like miserable snakes that would just like bite them and pee on them. And they were unhappy. That was me. They were unhappy. <laughs> they had no idea. And then now, you know, coming to bloods and short tails, learning from all those people who made all those mistakes back then and, and just yeah. did, didn't keep them properly and couldn't get them to breed and all that sort of stuff. And then seeing how they experimented and changed, you know, nowadays, most people keep their bloods and short tails at like 82 degrees and yeah. they keep them like a good size water dish, plenty of humidity. You're cool. As long as they can drink and stay hydrated, then They're don't good. go yeah. crazy. Yep. And, yep. and being able to reproduce them, is has become 
significantly easier now than it was, you know, 15 years ago. Right, right. Yeah, I'm grateful for all those people who shared that information with me because, man, I (laughs) I'm so glad that I'm coming for a point now where I can breed stuff and I can make some pretty cool animals. You know, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's. It's, it's crazy because back in the day, like a lot of people were, you know, pretty hesitant about sharing information. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they didn't they didn't want the recipe going out, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think what I what I learned back then still holds true today, which is um, and well, let's let's be real. Like back then, um, you know, texting was called writing a letter. Yeah. So, um, Sharing you know, that information it, was it's not it's yeah. not like I could I could shoot a text, hey, how do you keep and breed this species? Right. Yeah. Right. Um so you needed, I mean, yeah, we did have like the forums late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Um we, we did have the forums going on, um, which was cool. Actually, yeah, it was it was the two thousands, um that yeah. I started started going on stuff like that. Uh where you started getting some information, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the the real information, like the meat, that's what you got spending time with people and mm-hmm. actually building yeah. relationships. You know, um, and uh, and I mean that's that's really what what's driving me like now um, is is the relationships. Uh, you know, yeah. speaking of speaking of fishing, like at least once a year, um, I, I try to have a, you know, a herp fishing trip. Um, so, you know, we, we go out on, on my buddy's, uh, my buddy owns a, a fishing charter at a Point Pleasant beach. Um, and a bunch of us get together and we hang out and we catch fish and we talk snakes and talk reptiles That's and just awesome. have, have a great time and just like, just just connect and and you'll learn more in those and not not saying that's that's the only reason for the relationship but right you you'll learn more from people in relationship than you ever will asking questions on a forum yeah 100 percent. that's that's one of the main reasons why i really love the podcast format and you know valuable resources like npr um, cause it's like yeah. getting to sit in on one of those conversations. That's why me and Jeremy started reptile or like redid reptile talk yeah. was to have these conversations where, you know, we might, we might not always be talking about, Oh, this is how you keep this. And this is how you breed this. Right, right. But the little information that you pick up when you're having a conversation with people who are into reptiles, you can pick up so many useful things. And the fact that it's documented or at least part of it can be documented now and shared on a format that's accessible to a lot of people is, is really awesome to me. I think that's like so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you guys, I'm sure you guys have both made fun of me for my flip phone. Right. No, Um, I have not. Cause no, I was, a, at least I was not, a late at adapter. Least, at least not on the podcast. That's, that's... <laughs> not publicly. Not publicly. Okay, not publicly, yeah. but you know the deal. Cause, cause <laughs> we've hung out at White Plains and yeah. you've seen me break out the flip phone and yes. you went, eh? uh, like, yeah. like, like, like for real? 
Um, yes. So, <laughs> so like, you know, I, I finally, you know, I, I wasn't even able, just a basic text message. Just can't even get him anymore. So I finally, like this Christmas, I'm like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll do the thing. Take the plunge. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now it's like, you know, I'm listening to, um, so I was listening to uh, NPR um, right along. You know, I bring it up on my laptop um, yeah. and and listen that way. But uh, but now it's so much more accessible. Where you it know, I'm I'm, I'm, just, I'm listening to it in the car. You yep. know, back and mm-hmm. forth from work. Um, and you know, it's it's great because you just you just learn so much. Yes. Um, yeah. And especially like the the natural history stuff. Oh my um, God! Yeah. With, which, you know, people, we miss that, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. kind of shoot right past what are they doing in the wild, all right? Um, and go right to, okay, how, how do we keep and breed these, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, talking to, you know, uh, I started talking to Derek, Derek Roddy um, years, probably back 2007, 2008. Um, and, you know, just through having just long conversations, you know, and, de- and developing a friendship, uh, you know, he got, he got me rethinking heating my animals. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, my heat, you know, drops down. I do a night drop year round. Okay. So, uh, what is it at? Um, they're at 76 right now. Okay. So that's the hot spot is at 76 uh, at nighttime because in the wild, they're not having access to basking 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So um, even during, uh, even during my, my summertime, um, they'll, they're going to still get that night drop. It's not going to drop as low. You're still going to have a warmer ambient heat, uh, mm-hmm. ambient temperature in the room, but it's still, it's, it's going to, they're going to get a drop. They, they're not going to be able to bass 24 um, seven. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, little things like that. And then you notice your animals and you notice what they're doing mm-hmm. um, and their behavior is changing. And now it's like, you can sit in your room and you can pattern an animal and you can just like, watch okay. Um, and you kind of know, I know that at eight o'clock in the morning, when I come in my snake room, every one of my carpets is going to be basking. Every mm. one of them, they're going to be, they're going to be coming out and they're going to be getting that morning, that morning heat. Um, and they're behaving the way snakes behave. Um, you know, uh, my rhinos, they get, uh, they've got no, no heat except for a, they get uh, basking for two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, in, mm. you know, early afternoon, they get two hours for basking. Uh, and, and they'll, they'll bass and they're super active, super, you know, um, and they're great. You know, you just, it's, a and that's where, you know, learning the natural history of the animal has, has really helped a lot. Yeah. And a lot of that information wasn't, wasn't available, uh, as readily as it is today. That, which is, which is why, you know, podcasts like this and like, like NPR uh, are so great. They're just invaluable. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. I, I, you know, what's interesting is I was just doing another podcast earlier in the week and, and uh, we were talking about like building, building the relationships and, and networking with people to, to get information like this. And I'm like, man, you know, it is so much easier to do now than it, than it was years ago. But it seems like now that that information is right here, we're like, nah, that's fine. I'll just, yes. I'll just go, I'll just go around it. And then, yeah. you know, and, and it's not until you're sitting there scratching your head because you can't figure something else out that you that you come back, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're like, oh, man, if I had just taken an, an hour second. of my time, you know, to check out this podcast or, or you yeah. know, reach out to so and so through a freaking Facebook message and not through, you know, writing a letter of please, please just respond <laughs> to me with a little information, yeah. you know, yeah. like. You know, oh, I would have, you know, not had six months of of headaches, you know. Um, Sure. Yeah. But yeah, establishing those these relationships, it's like that's key, man. So critical. You know, yeah. Um, One of the things that uh, Scott Borden has been talking about, like Scott and I are on the same page with a lot of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is uh, pet keepers and not necessarily breeders. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've had, we've had a couple conversations like that. Um, and, you know, I, I just started a, uh, uh, a reptile group here in Ocean County. Um, and so the, the hope is that it, it grows and eventually can become a statewide thing. And, uh, there's another fellow in the state that is trying to do a, uh, a herpetological society and trying to trying to get all that the paperwork and everything going for that. So uh, the hope is to have a, a good, strong, robust herpetological society in the state. But I, I got a message, um, you know, in the in the Ocean County group where it's like, hey, listen, I want to just do an end of summer barbecue, uh, get together, get to know each other uh, in person. Yes. And yes. uh Bit right along the lines of Carpet Fest. Carpet Fest is one of the one of the best things to ever come out of the Morelia community because Hell of the yeah. fact that so many people from so many walks of life uh, that can just go and hang out. And you've been to Carpet Fest and you know, um, Rob, you've been to Carpet Fest? I went to Southeast Carpet Fest last year right before COVID hit. And then that's Dude. that's the only one I've been to. I didn't get to go to the OG OG? one. I work. I work too much. I work way too much. That's basically my work schedule has been too crazy. Dude, Gally will will stash you in a cooler with a lobster and smuggle you down the next (laughs) You you know what? I I talked to Scally, but the last two years that it happened, I talked to him like two days before. And last the last time that it happened, I was like, I'm definitely going. And then that next day, work was like yeah we need you here so you cannot go and yep. i was like oh, because then okay. i had to spend the entire day answering the what happened to rob yeah, question rob go? yeah that was i did that not was ask great. you that question you did not i appreciate that very much <laughs> sir <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah so so this uh this one one woman in the group she said hey listen like uh i i I'm really interested in reptiles. Uh, I really don't have a lot of knowledge. Like it would this event be open to people like me? And I'm like, this is for people like you. you. It it is especially for you. Like, 
and, and that's 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 how these relationships happen which is um for me that's that's one of my favorite parts of of keeping like the the hardest thing about covid for me is i got friends like all over the country that i only see. see every few months yeah and you know missing out on on seeing all you guys like dude, it yeah. sucks yeah yeah 100%. that has been very rough for me because as someone who's like very extroverted and likes to go and do things and see people oof. i miss bacon cupcakes yes yes i miss them i want a bacon cupcake <laughs> I, so here's the deal i have shipped people bacon cupcakes before oh yeah <laughs> he's like before you uh had my curiosity but now you have my attention <laughs> oh man i i so i let me get something together because I have a couple people in Florida who I need it's to send a them few to. Orders I do. I do. In. I there's a couple people who like have seen my cupcakes and have been friends with me for like ten years, and they haven't They've never had, had a cupcake. I, when oh. I did the Florida Expos, I didn't. I, I didn't have a kitchen to make one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They've been like, you should just send me some, and I'm like, ah, shipping cupcakes sucks. But yeah, you know what? I might, might have, have to do, happen. Yeah, I might have to do a little, a little COVID, uh, COVID care package. Care package. The COVID cupcake care, care package. package. I can't say that three times fast. Me yeah. either. But... <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'm I, here it's for so it. weird because like think about that, right? That's something that's like not really reptile related, but it's kind of reptile related because it would just be at the expos. You'd hit that yeah. like one or two o'clock time slot where you're like, oh my god, I got a little slim time. I'm and a little hungry, all of a sudden, and all of a sudden you Rob. see the, the here comes Rob with a tray of cupcakes, <laughs> and everybody at the table's like, this guy just delivers like cupcakes, cupcakes. <laughs> Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And he's going to be your new best friend now. I get some, you get none. <laughs> I'm just kidding. His oh kids always God. got some if they wanted them. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That's amazing. Okay, we're going to take a quick 90-second break. break for an ad break because we have a sponsor, hey. and that's pretty awesome. Pretty so cool. you guys get to check out this wonderful video real quick, and we'll be right back. Bye, right. We are super happy to announce our partnership with Oasis Exotic Enclosures. A new startup cage manufacturer based in California, Matt and Steph Conard have taken their time developing a wonderful quality product. The VS31 enclosure is their flagship model. It's 31 inches by 20 inches by 20 inches. It's perfect for many smaller species of colubrid, boa, python, or even some nocturnal lizards. Made with industrial-grade polyethylene plastic via in-house rotational molding, these cages have the strongest bonds in plastic manufacturing. Each enclosure has molded-in inverted handles on the sides, making moving from one place to another easier than ever. Each cage also has bolt-threaded inserts to allow you to connect cages vertically or secure them to a wall, creating impregnable security for that ever-growing collection. Also, a wonderful addition, the option to receive wall mounting brackets for your enclosure. That's right, you can attach this cage to any wall in your house at any height you desire. This wonderful patent pending adaptation provides you the ability to take that cage you have just placed on a table or on the floor up higher without wasting valuable floor space. 
This also allows you to no longer loom above your pet before entering the enclosure, which is often a high cause of stress. Matt and Steph have just begun their journey into cage manufacturing and have worked to put out a quality product at a comparable price to other companies in the industry. More innovations and designs are forthcoming, and we are excited to see Oasis Exotic Enclosures grow and develop. Please go check them out on Instagram, at Oasis Exotic Enclosures, and on the web at www.oasiscages.com. Boom, you can go check that out. Uh, all the links will be available here on the YouTube video description. And uh, if you're just checking out the audio, you can check out all that stuff there as well. It'll all be linked there too. So cool. bam, back, back to baking cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, don't think, don't let me think that you uh, forgot about the cupcakes yeah. here. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> there was a promise. <laughs> oh Leave man, my loin quiver. Okay, so jeez, oh, oh jeez. Okay, are we going down that road? No, no, of, no, no, of, no, 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 no. Talking no. again. <laughs> um. Okay, so we got to talk about this because it's it's a project that that you have teased me about oh. that you teased me about for many years at white plains How always bringing me to your table to stare at these wonderful carpet pythons that for the longest fault. time i could never afford my fault. <laughs> and then finally was able to afford them and now i i have a, a, a you know a, a, few. a few a few here or there and that's uh the ocelot uh jungle carpet python stuff so there's uh there's not a lot of, uh, of of open information out there. I, I feel like anytime I post a picture of an ocelot jungle jag, I get like ten or fifteen messages like, "What the hell's the ocelot gene?" Um, so yeah, and can, then I'm tagged in it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> gener- generally that's that's how it goes. <laughs> I feel like uh, which is fine, which is great. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, if you haven't already, you should have like a, something you can just quickly copy and paste for yeah. a response. <laughs> on the notes on your phone, you can yeah. have a little thing. I, yeah, you know what? Flip phone until December, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, the, fair. so I remember being at White Plains for, for many, many shows. And uh, I'd be walking around, just like, oh, oh, Mike's here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what's up to Mike. And before I can even get within three feet of Mike's table, I just see like shining, gleaming yellow Neon carpet pythons, yellow, and I'm like, glowing. What the f- is that? Worms. And then Mike's like, you want that? And I'm like, I do want that. But then Mike also <laughs> says, it's not for sale. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you got to keep the best for yourself, man. It's true. It's true. So can thank you, can you? Thank you for not. Thank you for not asking me how much for the NFS. Yeah, I, I it's, it's my it's my pleasure. I usually I usually am pretty pretty good at at understanding acronyms. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. So can you just kind of? I I know that it's kind of like a long. Uh, explanation of the history of the gene, but can you okay. just kind of give like a, a short synopsis of, of the ocelot jungle gene? Okay, so 2000, 2008, um, well, prior to that, uh, you know, I, Jags were still pretty high dollar, um, mm-hmm. and they were, for me, they were fascinating. That same Will Leary article uh, in, in Reptiles uh, I remember seeing Benjamin and it's like, man, these them things are awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, so and then I'm talking to at White Plains to Jay McClear and he he was I think he was the first one to do 
to, to breed jungles into it in the US. Mm-hmm. And so he had these jungle jags. And it's like, okay, it's gonna be to me, jag ones gonna be like bright yellow. Um, and they were okay. They were 50% jungle jags. So had to have one and I got one. Um, and uh bred him to my girl Delia and super excited. Um out of that, one of the one of the first eggs that I opened up, um, so they started pipping. So I'm I'm kind of peeling them back, peeling them back, opening them, seeing what's inside. And I post a picture on uh, Morelia uh, MoreliaPythons.com. Mm-hmm. So uh, I post a picture, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, "What is that?" I knew there was something with that one baby. Uh, so that baby was Jigsaw. Uh, mm-hmm. As as the conversation progressed, Nick Mutton jumps in. Um, I think Paul had jumped in as well because because uh, Nick had said, "Listen, that that looks that looks like what Paul had produced over in Europe. Um, that looks like an ocelot." So he had produced one the year prior, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so the more we're looking at it, it's like, yeah, that that looks like that looks like it's probably the same thing. Uh, so I raised him up. I bred him to his maternal, uh, I'm sorry, his paternal aunt uh, and wound up with a number of ocelots. I remember coming home, it was like two, three o'clock in the morning coming home from fishing. And, you know, I went, checked the eggs and they had, they had pipped. And I was like, I looked and sure enough, you know, um, and that was that was Link, and oh, okay. um, I was I was literally I was jumping up and down in the snake room, and my wife, <laughs> she, she's she's looking at me laughing. Um, and, like, you understand? You understand? Know, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I, she, she's like, and I mean, she was she she knew the significance. She was excited for me. Yeah. Um. So I continued to to work with that. Um. With other jags and you know just focusing on that on that mutation within the jag gene uh mm-hmm. the more i spoke to nick uh nick mutton you know he said he's like listen he says uh paul's jungle that he used in that pairing uh that was a high percentage jungle jag that was also a lot of 75 percenters uh just like jigsaw uh he says uh uh that was done with U.S. jungle blood, right? So I hmm. said, "Huh, okay." So he says, "I'm I'm wondering if that's not a mutation in the jungle that people just don't realize Isn't because it's so subtle, mm-hmm. you know." It's yeah. just, and and with, when you deal with carpet, and one of the things that drew me to carpet pythons is there's so many little variations and little anomalies from one to the next to the next. Yeah. Um, you can have two coastals and 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 look at them uh, more so than jungles, but but really with, with coastals, and it's like holy cow! Like they look like two completely different snakes. You wouldn't even think they're the same species. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that fascinated fascinated me so much about them. So when he started talking about that, it's like you know what? The wheels started kind of turning, and I started thinking, okay, so what if I can kind of kind of isolate that? 
from yep. the Jack. Um, because I, I, I am noticing that in the in the normal non-Jag siblings, um, I'm, I'm seeing little little anomalies in the pattern. That little flecking, the that that peppering where it looks kind of pixelated, um, mm-hmm. right along their sides, usually usually up by the neck, uh, and I'm I'm noticing that. I was like, what if I what if I could just do that? So, um, I took jigsaw and uh, jigsaw, and I think it was pepper, which were two very high expression ocelot jags. And I know everyone says, don't do jack to jack, don't do jack to jack. Um, I've got no problem doing jack to jack. Um, we can we can dig into that too later if you want. Uh, but the normal offspring from that pairing, mm-hmm. I was like, boom, that that's it. <laughs> that's like, it. Yeah. The normal pairing were such, they were high expression, non-jag ocelots. Um, and Jeremy, that's that female I sent you a picture of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, I wound up getting to where I was able to isolate that trait away from the JAG gene. Uh, so the way, the way it works, um, it, it does seem to be a polygenic trait uh, that is uh, through line breeding. You know, it is being passed on that way uh we have i have seen um i did a a normal caramel uh to a high expression ocelot jag and wound up with a smoking uh caramel ocelot jag i remember that Um, Ah. uh absolutely and so we're we're getting ready to go to our Sunday church gathering, and this thing is you know I'm I'm like I'm super excited. Probably three quarters of the clutch had already pipped, and I'm I'm looking in looking in, and I could see the pattern, I could see the color, and she's all wrapped up and upside down, umbilicus wrapped around her. I'm like, <gasps> uh. <laughs> I. I I, I opened that up the rest of the way. I pulled her out, you know, kind of got everything unwrapped and I just left her in the egg mm. and I prayed. Um, and, and she survived, she made it and she wound up, she was the first one to feed and she wound up being super healthy. Um, I wish I had a happy ending, but Nido got her, mm. um, which was devastating. Absolutely. It crushed me. Um, so, uh, but, but with that animal, um, you know, Nick's comment was, well, that turned out better than I had thought because, (laughs) you know, you've got, I've got a caramel from Europe, right. Mm. And completely, you know, pure coastal, completely unrelated to anything in the States. And I breed her to jigsaw. And I wind up with this super high expression ocelot. So there are anomalies like that where they'll pass them on first generation. Like, it's like, holy cow. Most of them, you'll see those subtle anomalies. All right. You'll mm-hmm. see the, the little, the little, uh, the, you know, the ocelot. All right. Where you've got the, 
the circles where the interior color is the same as the ground color of the rest of the snake, as mm-hmm. opposed to most most jags where the interior color is darker. Okay, right. So yeah. you'll see those um, with with my line in particular. You see a lot of that pixelated peppering look. Uh, you know, usually usually the the first third to half of the body is where it's most heavily uh, mm-hmm. anomalous right there. Um, but those are, those are the two main, uh, main traits that you see with, with, with my line of ocelots. Um, but since then, you know, uh, most of the ocelot pairings that I'm doing are, have been in the past to get that more extreme non-jag ocelot, uh, and yeah. see, see how, how far I can kind of go with that. Uh, this season I've kind of kind of gone back a little bit to where, you know what, I'm going to put some, some, some real high yellow stuff back into them, you know, which is, which is great because I love neon yellow snakes and you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, you did it. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and yeah, you know, so for, for the past, you know, with the, with the ocelot stuff, uh, for the past 10 years or so, I've just been trying to get the, the brightest, uh, most extreme version of that mutation mutation, uh, with the brightest yellow possible and just, just continuing to refine it. Yeah, dude. And, and man, these, if you've never seen an ocelot, or an ocelot uh, jag you gotta google it or you need to go check out scattershot exotics i mean that would probably be the better place that's probably the better place to do it because man oh man when you see these there's something else like there's going to uh, the white plains expo oh just seeing the oh is he doing it oh tower ah Ah. look at look at oh yeah Mm-mm. And yeah. the, the it's the camera makes it less yellow than it actually is because yeah. I know that, that thing glows. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, such a nice they're, awesome. Uh, they're awesome. They they blow my mind. I just I stare at them, dude. When it, when I'm going through cleaning stuff in my room and I get to I get to one of the ocelots, I'm like, we're gonna spend some time right here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't really, I don't have a ton of carpet pythons, but I do have an ocelot jungle jag female, and she's pretty. Everyone needs one. I, I, I would venture and say yes. I'm not usually someone who goes and and slaps that sticker on a lot of things, but yes, (laughs) I agree. I because you know what the carpet pythons, they've got this like good size. When they get big, they're not usually too jerks they're not usually that bad for handling they perch they you can make a nice looking enclosure and they'll they'll utilize the nice enclosure and they've got all these different little things that just make them uh, great for everyone whether you've got one snake or whether you've got a hundred snakes you need one you need yeah yeah Uh, and you know i've had i've had a number of people uh come up to me at white plains and uh kind of Come over to the table, look, 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 walk around, come back, come back, come back, and then say, like, listen, I just, 
I want the prettiest animal that I can just, I want to put it on display in a big cage. Yeah. And I think if you have, if you have the room to do a, a, a nice naturalistic enclosure, the, the amount of yellow that just pops. Put yes. the UV lights on the it. Yes. Oh, I mean, it's, they're, they're really, really cool to look at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and that's that's one I that's one of the things I really enjoy is you know when when somebody says I just I want something beautiful that I can just look at every day mm-hmm. and and it's like cool and, and you want one of my animals and that's like it's that's humbling that's that's yes. that's great. yeah for sure yes you know um, See, I mostly keep bloods and short tails so you don't put those in a big ass display cage. <laughs> <laughs> Get in your bin. Yeah, go go into your bin. I'll take you out. We'll hang out on the couch for a little bit. I'll put you back. Everything's cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, put a carpet that, python. That's that's another thing that you know most you know a lot of people. Um, sometimes we forget to enjoy the animal for what they are. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, with the bloods and short tails. They're they're impressive animals. Mm-hmm. If you if you want them to climb trees, oh. and like you're you're probably You'd be not disappointed. Gonna, yeah, yeah, you're you're not going to be excited about having them in a beautiful display enclosure. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's and they're probably it's not all be happy. about you know what what you're looking for and what um what what the animal is exactly, and and that's that's another thing that as keepers. We are we are really um, as keepers. We, we really need to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Where um, these, you do your research and you say, okay, this is this is what I'm looking to get out of an animal, um, mm-hmm. and this is what I this is what I think this is what I think I want to get. You know, yeah, and you kind of got to work within the parameters of of what you are trying to do because i get a lot of people in like the blood and short tail groups and they're like i want to make a eight foot long bioactive live planted vivarium and i want to put a blood python in there and i'm like well it's going to dig up all your plants it's going to pee and turn all your soil very acidic it's going to ruin your plant system and it's probably not going to be super happy in there there's lots of other animals that would do great in that but bloods right. and short tails really aren't the one to do it. And they're like, I've got this idea of what I want the snake to be. And it's like, that's not what the snake is though. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. you're not working within the reality of what is going on outside of you. Like I get that you have good intentions, but you have yeah. to understand what, what the snake wants, because at the end of the day, it's not about what you want. I mean, yes, yeah. you want to have a nice planted enclosure, but maybe you want a different species, put a corn snake in there. You want to see something yeah, yeah. that's going to use your whole enclosure and not ruin your plants and stuff? Put a corn snake in there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to, oh, it's yeah. going to yeah. appreciate it a lot. And I, I think that's yeah. one of the things that, um, and I, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> doing no, the teacher thing? Um, I, yeah, doing the teacher thing. <clears throat> Class, <clears throat> I'd like you to pay attention now. No, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't necessarily know 100% like in other countries, but I know in the U.S., like we are very good at having these preconceived notions of like, this is what I expect it to be. This is what I want it to be. And if it's Better not that. that, I'm throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. Right. You know, right. um, you know, so many other countries, like I, I always think like musically, mm-hmm. 
you know, like I can go do a corporate gig, like a wedding gig or, or, you know, anything like that. And if I play original music, I can guarantee you, I'm going to get a volume complaint. complaint. But if I don't touch my volume knobs and play a Michael Jackson cover, oh, everybody's dancing, having a grand old time and and whatever, because they, they, they're just like, oh, live music. You're here to entertain me. It doesn't matter that you are your own person or that you don't enjoy this kind of music like you're here to entertain me and if you don't do that i'm gonna be upset you know right and and like that that drives me (laughs) drives me nuts don't hire me for your damn corporate gig if you're just gonna want michael jackson covers a piece of crap (laughs) shout out to michael though (laughs) oh no and and that's we see that in in the the whole morph mindset too yes. right yes. so with with this ocelot all right uh when when i hatched jigsaw i was super stoked i'm like holy cow and uh i was somebody offered me uh randy mackey uh who some of the old school guys are gonna know i don't know if you ever heard of him mm-hmm. um but uh he he's Real super old school guy used to be at Hamburg all the time, six foot forever wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> and um, so he he lived 20 minutes from my work and we we started talking. We got kind of friendly and he's like, how much you want for that? And I said, no, I'm, I don't, I don't want to sell them. I'll, I'll give you five grand. And I'm like. I was, I was relatively new to breeding mm-hmm. and I said, no, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell. Um, but so many people, you know, they, they see that they get that something new, something a little bit different. Now I could have bred him and gotten nothing at all. Yeah. And, and I, but you know what I would, I would, would still enjoy him. And I would still absolutely love the animal because he was this bright yellow carpet python with this crazy pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we get uh, Keith McPeak uh, was his OG quote of the day today was uh, sometimes we we fail to see the animal through the morph. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. seeing that post. Yeah. And, and that's that's what you know. The morphs are great. I love them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a morph guy, but some of them are really, really pretty, mm-hmm. and you can appreciate that within the animal. Um, but it, it it is about appreciating the animal for what it is. Yes. And yeah. if if it can pass on those genetics, great. If it can't, well, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one of the things like I I do a lot of bloods and short tails and I like them for the morphs and stuff, but I also do scrub pythons and those there's no morphs. I just like the way that they are. Like I love everything about them and and appreciating finding an appreciation for those has definitely brought a different perspective for me than than I do for the bloods and the short tails. Like I still love bloods and short tails for their personalities and for the snakes themselves because I was into bloods and short tails before there was really I mean not before there was morphs, but before there was as many morphs as there are right now. 
um and growing up i was super just like in awe of them just their body structure and their head yeah yeah and i was just so into it um coming from that to you know the the scrubs where it's like even if i wanted there to be a morph there's no morph so it's just, <laughs> i just appreciate yeah. them for what they are and the same thing with the, like the carpet you're talking about i've had so many people come up to me about my scrub janet one of my captive bred barnack scrubs and they're like, this animal's amazing. I'll give you two thousand dollars for it. I was like, nope. I'll give you three. How about three thousand dollars? No, I will not. And yeah. and yeah. it's not because she has any more for anything. I just yeah, love, just that love animal. the animal. It's yeah. not going anywhere. Like, and then I got. They're like, okay, well, when you produce a baby, I'm buying one. And I was like, that first clutch is mine. Damn it, you can't have any. <laughs> and maybe if I make more, then maybe I'll let some go. So years ago. Um doing a white plane show and this is when albinos were probably still around seven eight grand the albino mm-hmm. carpets albino carpets yeah you know pure yeah. darwin and uh you know i've got john Dragna uh and greg madden right next to me and mm. they've got some albino albino darwins on the table and uh i've got my tower and mm-hmm. yes, top spot is scattershot. Mm-hmm. And this dude runs past their albinos. And, <laughs> and, and says, what is that? What is that? I want one of those. And mm. I'm like, eh, it's just a, just a normal jungle. <laughs> you know, it's a normal jungle carpet. Um, but that's when you look so, over at those guys and just like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, and you know, and I'm I'm good friends with both of them, and they look at me like, like wow, <laughs> like we should have just gotten some of those, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. Oh um, man. But yeah, and and in the same way, people ask a lot of times my my just normal jungles. Hey, mm-hmm. well, what what morph is that? Because they've got the they've got the morph on the brain. It's like it's that's a wild type. Yep. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's no no genetic mutation. It's selectively bred um, to look like that. Uh, so I, I I just try to selectively breed it to be the the prettiest jungle possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've you know recently I've gotten back to. So I was doing a lot of, you know, I was, I was doing the caramels. I was doing, uh, you know, some coastal stuff, uh, dabbled in IJs a little bit. Uh, I had albinos. Um, but now, like my whole room, I've got one animal that's not yellow. Like that's, that's not black and yellow. Um, mm. That's a carpet python. And just about everything else, um, I've gone... Just because that that was when it comes to carpets, um, for me that was it. That was like mm-hmm. that's what drew me to them initially, and that's what I I can still, you know, Jeremy, like you said, um, I can come in here and I can just look at black and yellow snakes mm-hmm. all day. Um, yep, and never get tired of it. Yes, you just don't get tired of it. So, what is that one snake that is not the black and yellow carpet? That's a caramel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was that, like, maybe it's an easy thing. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's the no yellow. <laughs> um so I was I was so heartbroken 
so my my youngest son, my youngest son Max, uh, yes. his his given name at birth was Zayden. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my two youngest kids are adopted, and uh, so we named her like so Max Max and Chase both of them. Hey, Daddy, can this be my snake? <laughs> Every snake that comes in the house. So uh, that caramel ocelot was Max's. Oh, and because he's like, Daddy, can, can she be mine? And I said, yes, yeah, she can be mine. That way I will never sell her. Ever, yes. you know, and you can oh. have a re- sorry that's the kids. I can't get daddy yep. things. Yep, I can't yep. do. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I was, I was pretty heartbroken when I lost her. Yeah, and uh, a couple years ago, I, I picked up a uh, a caramel mail from Andy Simmons, mm-hmm. and um, really, really pretty caramel, uh, but because I still want to produce another one. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bred him to, uh, to a female this year. She has not been a very good breeder for me. Um, mm. and I don't, I don't think she's going to really, really get, get the job done this year. Um, so, uh, that's, and she was more of an experiment. Um, she and Delia. Uh, now we've we've spoken a little bit about nutrition, and mm-hmm. um, Jeremy, you and I were texting the other day, and we're we're talking about nutrition with with your animals. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh, Kribos in particular have really opened my eyes to is varied diets, right? Yeah. So with Delia. I got her and it was right away, get her on rats, get her on rats, get her on rats. And uh, she's eaten large and extra large rats for a good portion of her life. Mm. And uh, the past two years that I bred her, the last time I successfully bred her was 2014. And the the two subsequent pairings, she did I think I brought her twice after that. I gave her some time off. Um, then I had to deal with the, the whole Nido thing. So I wasn't bringing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but she slugged out on me. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. So, so the clutch beforehand was 31 fertile eggs. And mm-hmm. we went from that to two clutches of slugs in a row with years separating them with time Hmm. off Hmm. so i'm like okay what's going what's going on all right now and now now i'm into crebos and um crebos they they need that varied diet okay um so you look at my freeze i got i have a a friend of mine just sent me a picture of ziploc bags full of creek chub because it's trout season and creek Mm. chub like it so so my my crebos they get creek like whole creek chub, whole frozen thawed creek chub, whole frozen thawed brook trout. Um, get chicks. They get quail. They get mice. Uh, mice make up probably fifteen percent of their diet. Uh, mm-hmm. Neither one of them get fed rats. Um, I'm sure they would. They would take them. 
but mm-hmm. I have I have so many other prey items. So a couple of years ago, I was, I'm like, you know what? What if what if I, I started doing that with the carpets? Um, and we're, we'll see what happens. Um, so I started feeding, you know, the two females that were uh, giving me a hard time as far as producing fertile clutches, which is Delia and Cookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put them on a predominantly bird diet. Mm-hmm. So they're eating mostly chicks, quail. Uh, so I've got an eight foot carpet python that um, I intentionally chose to feed mice to. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> feed the jungle, right? Oh boy. Ugh. So, so like that's, that's something where it's like, oh, don't feed them mice. Don't feed them. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to give her mice. So she eats, she eats mice. Mm-hmm. She eats predominantly quail, chicks, chicks, yeah, small chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think the biggest rat I fed her in two years was a, was a medium rat um, she got. And, um, but mice, small rats, uh, and birds, that's what she eats. Um, uh, and what I've noticed is an increase in activity, uh, a more, more enthusiastic, uh, feeding response where mm-hmm. when I'm defrosting food, she used to just hang out in the cage and wait for the rat to come to her and okay, I'll eat this large rat. Um, so now she smells food defrosting. She's perched and she's in that classic carpet position, you know, mm-hmm. head down, waiting for prey. Um, mm, and, cool. and it's, so I've, I've definitely noticed a difference in behavior with them. Um, and I've done that with, uh, with my other carpets as well. Uh, but I don't, I no longer buy even, even my Argentine boas. Uh, I don't feed them anything bigger than a medium rat. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I stick with, with smaller meals. Um, so maybe I'll give them a few prey items. Yeah. Uh, instead of giving them a large rat, I'll give them two mediums or two smalls. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I feed my my Argentine bows, mice and chicks also. And, That's awesome. you know, they they are real enthusiastic. They, they love them. Um, and I'm I, I want I'm, I'm interested to see this year what's going to happen with a change in prey and a more varied diet and what that's going to do to reproduction. Yeah. So yeah, it would be interesting to see for sure. Really hopeful with that. That'd be pretty cool. Hell yeah! Got to keep us posted. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely will. Yeah. All right. So we're winding down our time we've gone a little, a little over our time which is totally fine because because we love you dude um but so before we wrap this up we ask all of our guests one final question An important question very important question uh and that is how many ocelot carpet no, pythons are you jeremy, sending me this jeremy year? No. that's not the question that's an important question i need you, to know okay? that's not the question that's, <laughs> that's right, because I'm getting many of them. No. <laughs> um, no, so the question is, 
Uh, what in the realm of reptiles, be it something in your personal collection or something that you've seen scouring the interwebs on your, especially now recently, not, not dumb phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what in the realm of reptiles has you excited about reptiles? Oh. Gonna have you dig deep. That's a, that's a hard question. Um, Hey, look, you can feel free to say sending Jeremy many. No, no, Oslo- <laughs> all right. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give two and I'm going to give a bonus. Okay. All right. Um, I would I would say. Probably. Probably number one. Would be the work that's being done with Bolenai right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where we've got keepers out there that are choosing to invest thousands and thousands of dollars in animals with no promise of any return. And they are doing the work um, you know, guys like like Keith and Ari, like 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 doing the work to unlock these animals for uh, herpetoculture. Um, you know, doing the work to unlock these animals for the for the purpose of conservation, so that we don't, you know, there isn't a market for captive hatched babies. Mm. Um, that that has me pretty excited. Uh, I you can't talk to Keith about Bolenai and not get excited. You can't. <laughs> you, you just can't. Um, yeah. So that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, Jeremy. I am really excited about the female. I'm going to send you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I'm I'm excited about that. She is like her body is like looking at me just saying, why didn't you breed me this year? Uh, and I just, so I, I chose to give her the year off and um, her like, her body was ready. So, um, but I, I look forward to, I'm excited to see what you, what you do with her. I'm very excited. I was just talking with, with Rob about it the other day and I was like, you know, that, that ocelot zebra jag, male should be should be ready in the fall that could be an interesting interesting one to I, do i think she that, uh, she will be she will be more than ready and willing i'm <laughs> i'm so here for it <laughs> awesome. oh uh, so, man mike uh if people want to find out more about the things that you're doing where should they look you up where should they find you um so you can go to you just uh search scattershot exotics on facebook Mm-hmm. Um, I am, you know, I, I hang out in my snake room, I hang out on the beach and I fish and I post pictures on, on Facebook. You know uh, what we gotta do? We gotta get you on Instagram because no, it's, don't. yes, no, yeah. no, hold on, hold on. no hear we, me out we kind of do though. Hear, hear me out. Just hear me out just for just, just a second, because I was one of those people. I, <laughs> I didn't get a smartphone until like six years ago. So I held out really long too. And I didn't really want to get on Instagram. And then now I kind of like Instagram better than Facebook because it's just pictures of pretty snakes 
all day, all these cool snakes, and you just see all the cool things that people are working with, and you don't see them posting things about how much they hate masks or how much they hate COVID or how much they're <laughs> upset about this thing and that thing. It's just pictures of cool snakes all day, every day, and it's just so much cooler. And all you got to do is just post pictures of cool snakes, and people will like your cool snakes. So, I mean, I, Facebook groups are cool for that too. Yeah. But- Instagram is awesome for that because all I just scroll through pictures of pretty snakes all day. It's great. <laughs> it's I, true. I thought about it and I'm like, eh. please, please, Mike, I'll, I'll be your first follower. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying well, I will spread your stuff all around. I want to make sure that people follow you because you got some amazing animals and I love seeing so pictures true. of them. I'm saying yeah, this selfishly that I want you on Instagram so that I can look at pictures of your snakes more regularly. It's 100% selfish. I'm admitting it right now. I'm trying to be a better person, okay? <laughs> I'm going to just start texting you pictures of my snakes. Okay, I can deal with that too. And then I'm going to make an account called Scattershot Exotics, and I'm going <laughs> to post your pictures. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For anyone who's upset at me right now, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, um, man. Yeah, it's... I'm I'm predominantly on Facebook. Um, okay. I've got the uh, the Scattershot Exotics page, cool. and you'll see me in all the all the different groups. Um, so there's there's that. Uh, I advertise on Fauna, you know, still. So, uh, <laughs> and, Deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody wants to wants to reach out to me, send me a message, um, and that's that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm so, so it's not that I'm over social media, uh, but it's, you know, these days, uh, I am so much more focused on, on the relationships, you know, on those, on the, on the more personal relationships where I can just, you know, just chat with people. Um, so, but you never know. You might see a you might see an Instagram page pop up. Who knows? I'm not promising you anything. That's okay. That's okay. I'll live. I'll live in hope. I'll just it's dangled in front of me, and I'm just reaching. And then maybe when he makes the Instagram page, maybe I'll send him candy bacon cupcakes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I just. I just. I gotta dangle the carrot too. You know. I gotta. <laughs> Damn. Oh, <laughs> and we're gonna end it on that. Thank you so much for coming on tonight, Mike. Mike, I love thank you, you so much. Thank dude. you so much. We're gonna have to do this you're, again sometime soon. I cannot wait welcome. to see Thanks you. Thanks for again. having me. Yeah, great, man. great seeing you guys again. Yes. Yeah, you too, Maybe man. We'll have to road trip down there and bring him cupcakes. That's that's actually. So you I'm, I'm very much down. I'm very much down I, with that. I I think you should. New, Jer- New yeah. Jersey is a day trip. That's a day yeah, trip. That's, oh, yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah. we're, we're, we'll talk about that afterwards. But uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll take a day trip, and I can hand deliver you candy bacon cupcakes. I I would love it. Awesome. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so right, much, Mike. man. Have a great night, dude. Have a nice night. Love you. Good night, you, man. <laughs>